Dear friends and fans of The Final Whistle, thank you for tuning in. Before you listen to this episode, we would like to take some time to apologize for the dip in audio quality that you will experience in our episode this week. We regret that we were not able to bring you the same listening experience that you may have enjoyed in our previous episodes. We do hope that you will still be able to ramp up the volume, listen closely, and enjoy the insights of the one and only S. Subramani. We are sorry again for this small bump in what has been a relatively smooth journey. Enjoy the episode. We've got a legend in the studio, the ever-reliable S. Subramani is our guest this week. Former national team and home United defender S. Subramani is in the studio and we talked about what went through his mind during the 2004 bottle-throwing incident and the two key figures who convinced him to reconsider national team retirement. Hi and welcome to The Final Whistle. This is Deepan. And this is Kabir. Kabir, this episode is going to be special for Mm. me. Uh, what are your memories of today's guest, firstly? Our guest here today is uh, one of the leaders of our national team back when um, we used to win. <laughs> and uh, my biggest memory of him is that I, if I say this, if I say this, everyone's going to know who's, who, who, of course, everyone's going to know. We posted on Instagram, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, my biggest memory of him is, of course, uh, leading the back, uh, the back line with ID and, of course, that Myanmar game where he got, he got, a bottle yeah, thrown at him. A missile thrown, thrown <laughs> at his head. Missile, eh? <laughs> missile, bro. Super fast, man. Yeah, and personally, today's guest, uh, like I said, is special for me because uh, I have great pride in watching Lions play on any given day. Uh, but growing up in the 2000s era, the successful era, there was an extra significance uh, because of the various racial representations in the national team. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, when you see a fellow Indian taking to the field, you feel an extra layer of pride. I'm, this is just my, my perspective show his picture to anyone in the Indian community they will tell you his name that's mm. how famous he is in our racial group uh, and to me that shows the rarity of it right because there, there were so few there are so few now even and I looked up to him when I was younger and he was really the flag bearer for Indians in the national team at that time um, he showed us that you know you can really cut it at the professional level in any industry if you put in the hard yards for it yeah. uh, today's guest has won 3 FF titles with Singapore and was even once named the athlete player of the year like I said, a hero of mine, a hero for many, uh, one of the best defenders of our country's modern football era. Welcome to the show, S. Subramani. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Ruben. Uh, thanks for having me in the show. Uh, I've been listening to some of your podcasts. Thank you. Really inspirational for younger generation, mm-hmm. especially you, uh, your guests sharing their life experience. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely inspiring for younger generation nowadays. Yeah. And how was that intro, man? Superb, man. <laughs> Superb, bro. It Very inspiring. Heartfelt. <laughs> uh, what are you up to right now? Um, currently, I'm at uh, IT College Central. Mm-hmm. I'm a Section 8 uh, in a PE department. Uh, I have about six staff on interviewing. Okay. Uh, we are main, our main role is to conduct PE lessons for our students. Mm-hmm. Like in, IT. in terms of coaching, are you up to anything? At the moment, no. At the moment, no. Uh, okay. After the last C games, I stopped coaching. Mm-hmm. Now I'm fully concentrating on my job in IT. Okay, nice. Uh, let's get the show started. Yep. Um, the first question that we always ask our guests is, uh, how did the love for football start for you as a as a child? 
Well, it all started when I was young, mm-hmm. probably the age of eight to ten years old. Uh, at the first, I started with playing with my neighborhood friends. That's how we normally start playing football. Uh, that was the only avenue at that time when I was young, and the only uh, activities where we can find friends, mm-hmm. we can come together and have some fun. So that's how it started at, back then. And slowly this thing went on. But my first love, I would say, is not football. Okay. In fact, I was into running. That running, was my okay. love. Uh, when I was in primary school, uh, my PE teacher, who is Mr. John, he actually identified that I had his talent in running, and he introduced me to running. That's what was my, my first love when I was very young. When you say running, is it short distance or? No, long distance. Long distance, mm, okay. Long distance. Probably because I'm an Indian, <laughs> and I'm actually uh, used to run. And to be honest, I was pretty good at running. Mm-hmm. So my focus was more on running than football. Football actually came into me when I was in secondary school. I had wonderful friends in secondary school, both my friends as well as my classmates. We used to practically play football every day, every single time, whenever we have a free time. Before school, during break, and after school. Mm-hmm. And we started playing football at a basketball court. Back then, that was the in thing. Okay. And we cannot afford to have a luxury of a bigger ball. So what we do, we share a little pocket money we have. We used to buy a rubber ball, a small rubber ball. And we used to do kick a ball in a basketball court. That's how my love for football actually grew, slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, when it actually went into the next stage is when I actually uh, went on to, to view one of the Malaysia Cup games in the National Stadium. Okay. That, that uh, experience actually took me off and I totally fall in love with the atmosphere in the stadium itself. Because back then, you know, the, the football culture it was totally different. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be talking about Malaysia Cup football in the neighborhood. So when I was in the stadium, I looked at the surrounding, the atmosphere, the people, the fans cheering for the team. Well, it was amazing, amazing. So when I get back after that game, I couldn't sleep the whole night. I was mm-hmm. thinking about it. Then I told myself, I said, one day, I also want to be a national player. I want to play in front of 60,000 capacity of fans and to enjoy my football. That became my dream and it slowly started from there. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Malaysia Cup, uh, were there some footballers that uh, became heroes for you? Were there people that you're looking up to? Definitely, when I was growing up, uh, there were players like Fundy, of course. Uh, my idol back then was Terry Parmanathan. Mm-hmm. And I was actually very fortunate. I had the opportunity to play alongside him uh, in Tiongbal Football Club okay. in 1992, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So for yourself, um, you are talking about you know the Malaysia Cup days and all. Um, it's fair enough that you know you went to a stadium and you, and you saw so many people there and you got inspired. Uh, what were the active steps that you took after that game, you know, to realize your dream of being a professional footballer? Actually, after that day, like I said, I started to take football more serious. Because all the while it has been just a leisure football, just fun to hang around with my friends. But then after that day, I told myself hey, I have to do something about it. Then I take, started taking football more serious. I attended a few trials, not only with the school team, but outside with the age group, uh, under 16, under 18. But unfortunately, I was not selected. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was disappointing at that point of time. But I kept telling myself, I say, shouldn't give up because uh, they, they always there's a saying that uh, failure, I mean, success comes with a failure. Mm-hmm. So I kept pushing. Then I kept pushing myself. I improved on my game slowly, but slowly. 
uh, I keep improving. Then eventually, uh, when I went to Jurong Institute, when I was doing my A levels, I was called up for the school team. It was coached by Mr. Azman, who was my PE teacher. Mm-hmm. He felt that uh, I had something in football. I can give something to the team. So he actually invited me to join the team. And so you I didn't said, go for any trials or anything? You no, just, you for just GI, up. no. Uh, I, I guess Mr. Azman saw something. So is, it, is this the same Mr. Azman? Do you know that went on to be a VP at the, at the school? The, the Mr. Azman? Yeah, so because I I was from MI as well, and uh, okay. oh, Jurong Institute I, is MI. Yeah, this is now it, it became MI after ah, that. Okay. So uh, it's quite funny because I I went on to be a player at MI as well. Yeah. Uh, of course, a bench player, not nowhere near as good as uh, Mr. Money here. But uh, for yourself, like because there are not many people who get the first big break because of a school team. Because for them, even if it's a school team, it's at secondary school mm. level or primary school level. Yeah. Uh, JI or MI at the time is quite late into your development as a player, right? Definitely, I was already almost 10 years old. Uh, so when Mr. Asbon called me to the school team, I started to attend training, and eventually I got into the team. And in fact, in fact, he actually put me as a captain for the team. Oh. And we went on to play one of the national school games. I remember very, very vividly. Uh, it was a game against Budok Vocational Institute. We played at their home ground. And back then, Budok Vocational Institute, the team was with stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, some players who eventually make it to the national team. And any, any, anyone that we... Ma, Madan, Tamil Madan was there. Mm-hmm. And then I think there one or two other players couldn't record. <laughs> but it was very strong back then. Uh, we lost the game, we lost the game. 2-0. And after the game, Mr. John Chia. Mm-hmm. This gentleman, I actually hold a lot. Because if not for Mr. John Chia, I might not even be playing football at the highest level. Mm. He came to me after the game and he asked me the question. He asked me this, he asked whether I was playing for any club. So I told him, I said, no, I only play for school and for fun. So he actually invited me to attend the combined school trial because he was the manager of the combined school trial mm. back then. So this team was preparing for the Asian school game in China. So he said, come over and uh, give your best. If you're good enough, you will make a team. So uh, I was so excited because all the while I was waiting for an opportunity mm. and it came, it came. So I told myself, I said, I don't want to miss this opportunity. I went on to attend the trial. I did pretty well, I suppose. Coach then was uh, Mr. Harun Musafa. He felt that uh, I can contribute to the team. He took me in and we went to China to represent Singapore in the Asian School competition. We did pretty well. We came in joint turn together with Thailand. And after the tournament, two players from the team was actually uh, recommended to the pre-Olympic team, which was preparing by, uh, for Barcelona Olympic qualification. Mm-hmm. Was coached by Mr. P. N. C. Raji. So one of the players was of course me, together with uh, another player called Asman. Mm-hmm. Asman. So both of us was recommended, and I went on to join the pre-Olympic team. However, during this period, something unfortunate happened. Well, I was playing with my friends in a seven-side tournament. I tore my ACL, oh, okay. and to my my uh, to my how to say my pain at that moment because I I thought I here is my opportunity to do something in football and all of a sudden this thing have to happen and when I went to see the doctor the doctor told me the bad news he said uh, you tore your ACL and most probably you have to go for surgery if not you will not be able to play professional football anymore. For, for football at the highest mm. level. 
So I told myself I was actually devastated because um, back then I just lost my dad that year. And my How mom, old were you at the time? I was 18. Still, still 18. Yeah. It was 1990, I still remember. And then I don't want to burden my mom because of the expense of the surgeries mm-hmm. and that. But fortunately, I was a student. So we were given some discount and student price. So the operation was not very costly. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go for the surgery. And the doctor told me I will be out for almost six months, minimum six months. But then, this team is preparing for pre-Olympic qualification. I have to be back to the team by latest May. There was a timeline I was given. If not, I won't be able to make it. You had your injury, what? Which month was it? It was December. December, I remember, oh, okay. I went for the surgery on December 5th. Mm. December 5th. And then, just imagine, if it were to take six months, I would definitely won't make it to the team. Yeah. But then I told myself, I will try my very best. I will work very hard. I want to make it to the team. So I worked extremely hard and eventually I get back into football four months plus. Everybody was very surprised because <laughs> they thought it's not possible. But because I want to do so badly, I came back. Within within five months, less than five months, I started playing. I I joined the team and in fact I was selected one of the 20 who traveled to North Korea for the qualification. And of course, during that time, we played against tough team, mm-hmm. strong team like North Korea, China was in our group. Uh, we, did, we didn't make it to the next level. When we got back after the competition, uh, Mr. P. N. Sevaji who was also with Kiyombaru Football Club. So he actually invited me to join Kiyombaru Football Club. That's how my Premier League, uh, Premier League work started. Mm-hmm. Nice. I started playing for Kiyombaru then. Yep. You, you mentioned uh, your late dad uh, uh, while you were talking. How big of a role do your family play in your development as a footballer? You know, were they happy to let you just go into football or did they say, you know, you have to juggle your studies? Actual fact, no, even uh, when I was a young boy, my mom actually forbid, forbid me from playing football okay. or any sports because, you know, those days, uh, our parents are fierce, uh, very strict, <laughs> very strict. Uh, their main, main objective for us is to get a good education. So just like any other parents, she actually wanted me to concentrate on education rather than any sports or the matter of fact, football. But being me, very stubborn at a younger age and I always wanted to continue playing football because I thought that was my only avenue or outlet which I can get. Mm-hmm. So I continue playing football. But obviously, I don't get the support from my parents playing football. My siblings also don't play sports at all. So back then, I was the only person in the family actually involved in sports. Uh, but after the combined school journey, my mom realized that, hey, uh, there's something in me which people can realize mm-hmm. that I can contribute. Why not? After that, then my mother started saying, okay, you can continue playing football. Uh, and of course, if you want to do that, give your best. Mm. That was a uh, good. Okay. Uh, from Tiong Baru, how did you end up in Tajung Paga for, uh, in terms of your career in the S League? Okay, uh, back then it was a Premier League. Okay. Uh, so I, I started I started with Tiong Baru in 1992. Mm-hmm. I would like to say this, uh, that team was a very, very good team. There were a couple of names in the team which, uh, like I said, I had the opportunity to play with my idol. Mm-hmm. Terry Panmanadam was in the team. You have the two uh, Wanan's brothers, Michael Wanan as well as uh, <coughs> Martin Wanan. Mm-hmm. 
and then we have the whole back line of the national team was there. Divili also was there, and a couple of other players who was actually playing for the national team. It was actually a good opportunity for me as a player to be part of the team because it helped me to grow as a person, not only as a footballer, but as a person because I learned so much from these experienced players. How old were you at this point? Ah, uh, that was 1992. I was 20 years old. 20 years old. So one question I realized I did not ask him at all was. Uh, we know you as a centre back or sometimes a right back in the national team. Uh, was that the position that you played all the way up to your professional not career? Not really. When I was playing at uh, uh, junior level, I was actually more on an attacker. Oh. I was more on an attacking mm. role. I used to play on the right wing or centre mid. <laughs> okay. In fact, when I went to combined school, they actually spotted me as a midfielder. Mm. And when I went to combined school, I attended training sessions and coach felt that I could offer better at the back. Perhaps because of my height then, then uh, and maybe I can play the ball from the back. So back after that combined school uh, thing, then I started playing defender all my life. Mm-hmm. But when you were told in the uh, uh, at the first time that okay, I think you are better suited in defense. How did you personally feel? Because I think a lot of players <laughs> like to be up front as opposed to be at the back. Uh, I take it in my stride, uh, because I wanted to play regardless of which position they play me, mm. I want to be part of the team. And I felt that at that point of time, coach felt that I'm good at this. So I listened to what whatever coach instruction was and I, like, I played in the position. I guess that stick to me until the day I retire. Nice. Uh, what are your best memories at Tanjung Paga? Uh, Tanjung Paga is actually the club mm-hmm. which gave me uh, my football, who started my football journey. Uh, of course, I must say this, the gentleman over there was Mr. Richard Woon. Hmm. He was the general manager in Jumbo Football Club. Uh, I have to say this, he's the first person I collected my first paycheck from for playing football. How much was that? Wow, okay, I got around 2,000 for a season. For okay. a season. And this was for a season. For a season. For a season. For a season. Okay, for sorry. Season. <laughs> I was schooling then. Mm-hmm. I was still in... But this the, was the Premier League. Which was was semi-pro semi-pro, semi-pro yes. I was uh, still schooling. I was in Children Institute. After 1992, 1993, I have to. I was enlisted into NS, and then I, I started playing for Safsa for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And during this period, uh, I was called up for the national team in 1995. While you were was, playing at Safsa, yes, while I was playing wow. for Safsa, actually it's a dream come true because, uh, like I told you, it was my childhood dream to be a national player. And when I was given the first call-up by Douglas Moore, Coach Douglas Moore, who was pre- he was preparing a team for the Phillips tournament back then. So he actually invited me to join the team. And that was it, that was it. Uh, I went over for a training session and I was amazed by the people in the dressing room because all the stars which I was looking at them when from the stand, from the stand, and on TV and now we are sharing the same dressing room it was an amazing feeling and of course um, there were uh, players like Fandi and Amar Abbasad they, they make my my entry seamless because they welcomed me into the team uh, they were so uh, cheerful and they were so receptive uh, having a younger boy coming into the team and they, they make it very easy for me to settle in mm-hmm. uh, I would have to thank for both Fandi and uh, Abbas for doing that. Nice. And, so, and this thing, and this thing lasted for, say, 
a few months with the national team. And then again, I the team was preparing for the SEA Games, 1995 SEA Games. I got into an injury again. And this time, I have to go for my hip surgery. And because of that, I was not part of the 1995 SEA Games. It was, of course, very painful back mm-hmm. then. But I told myself, again, I have to repeat the same thing back again, keep working hard, and eventually, one day, the chance will come back again where I can be part of the national team. Okay. In terms of injuries, when your first ACL injury and, and, then, and then your hip injury, how was the recovery like? How did you beat you, how do you beat the odds to come in back into the team earlier than expected yeah and, and did you at any point think that like um, maybe football isn't for me like with so many injuries like let's try something else no I never I never, I never give up I'm not a person who give up so easily I work very hard I went for regular rehab sessions mm. and on top of what I'm supposed to do I do extra extra mm. uh, I look after myself and then uh, I seek the advice of some physiotherapists and on how to get back on my feet again and start playing football again. So I took the advice and I worked very, very hard. And because of this, I was able to get back into my game again. Mm. Uh, while you were out injured, I'm sure you would have still been following the progress of the national team uh, and your club side at the point of time. Um, and then other defenders will have come into the squad. Uh, what is the mentality that forces you to, you know, okay, this guy has got my place now. Uh, for that determination to still win back the spot, where does it come from and you know what really drives you or what drove you at the point of time? I always have this drive uh, since young. Um, I, I guess it, it came from my dad because my dad was the only sole breadwinner back then. He works very hard for the family and for, for all of us at that, at that young age because my sister only came in 14 years later. Mm, okay. Because uh, Initially, only four of us, my dad, mom, my elder brother and myself. And then 14 years later, my sister came into the picture. And then for this small family, the only person who actually worked for us is my dad. And I can see how hard he worked. And without saying anything, he kept working for the family. And because of that, I think I get this thing from him and this drive to push myself even though things are tough keep going I'm sure when you keep pushing eventually you'll be able to see some results yeah. and the results that you're talking about came in the form of the Athletic Player of the Year award in 1998 uh, did you expect to win the award at the point of time and what was it that allowed you to win I mean was it the players that you were playing with at the point of time or, or the coach that allowed you to prosper actually it all started uh, back then in 1996 mm-hmm. where the professional league started uh, I was part of the Tiongbara Football Club then uh, then, when professional league started, Mr. Richard Woon called me up and he said that uh, there's an opportunity for me to turn pro. And he asked whether I'm okay with it. So I said, okay, because I wanted to play football. <laughs> yes. And what more is your passion? And now you're going to do something which you love and you're going to be get paid for it. I said, perfectly Perfect. okay. Perfectly okay. I joined the team. And back then, the team was coached by Mr. Coach Robert Alberts. He assembled a team. There was some household name, players like uh, Tonghai, Steven, Manon, Joseph Ragasem, and we have a couple of uh, Australian imports. We have five Australian players there. Uh, it was a strong team back then. I managed to join the team, and because of the camaraderie we have between the players and the, the team, within the team, we continue. We continue until 1998. 
this year was very special for me because uh, 1998, it started off with coach Robert Edwards. And how the season goes was then, was like, first half of the season will be the league. Mm -hmm. And right after, there will be the cup games. So after the the league was over, we came in, we came in, we came in second. We came in second and Robert Edwards left the team. He left to join Home United. Mm -hmm. Back then it was police, police team. He went to join them and then the team was taken over by our assistant coach. And that's when the two cup ties happened and we won the two cups, Singapore Cup as well as the League Cup. And not only that, during that period, we also went for the Tire Cup, the 1999 Tire yes. Cup, and we won our first medal at the highest level. And with this, I guess it's because of my performance throughout the season, as well as the, the, the what I won that year. Because of that, I think they gave mm -hmm. me the, the Player of the Year award in NLE. Yeah, who was the assistant coach you took over? It was Haji. Okay. Haji. And, and for yourself, uh, in that particular year, where exactly were you playing? Who, who was in the back line? Okay, uh, I was playing one of the stoppers because back then we were three, three at the back. This is the club side? Yes, okay. the club side. Uh, we have York, Sven Wormer, oh, okay. the German, German mm -hmm. yes. uh, He was the sweeper and myself and Tongan was the other stoppers. Ah, okay. Nice. Uh, at the place. national level, we have the back three of myself, Sasi and uh, ID. This was in the 98th uh, yes, Tiger Cup. Yeah, Tiger Cup. Wonderful. Uh, in terms of the Tiger Cup, the experience itself, because it was, uh, is it safe to say it's the first major tournament for SO? Mm, not exactly. Okay. Because I came into the national setup in 1996. Mm -hmm. I managed to play in the 1997 Sea Games. Okay. Uh, that was uh, one of the major tournaments which I played. Mm -hmm. And that tournament was uh, Fundy's actually the last tournament. And after that tournament, he retired. So I also had the opportunity to play with him in the national setup. Well, sorry, sorry. You mentioned Fundy being uh, one of the the senior players that welcome you into the team. On another spectrum, were there any hard personalities that when you came in as a as a youngster, would did they give you a hard time? Yeah. I won't say they gave me a hard time, but of course there was some intimidating fi uh, figures in the team. Okay, you know any names? Uh, we had Malik Rawa. You know, he was, I thought he was a nice guy. I always said that. I don't get me wrong. It's a it's a very nice mm. gentleman, but then he's very fierce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, he, he he terrorized us in that sense. He was so disciplined. Mm. He looked after our discipline. In fact, uh, Fandi was more like a joker, whereas mm -hmm. uh, Malik is totally the opposite. He was more like a disciplinarian in the team. He managed the discipline aspect of the team. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, 98 was your first tournament win for Singapore. Uh, you went on to win uh, a few more AFL championships and it, they came under Coach Ruddy. Uh, Coach Ruddy is someone who a lot of people describe as a father figure and all. Uh, but from your perspective, you know, what was it about him that allowed players like you and your teammates to give their all, you know, in game after game? You mentioned it exactly the right word. It's a, it's a father figure. I, back then, when, when he took over the team, most of the senior players left and he brought in more youngsters into the team, uh, fresh blood. And because of that, and the way he treat the players, it's like exactly like how a father would treat the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, he was hard, at the same time, there was some love. He was able to show both the heart and the affection as well. And he demanded, of course, he demanded results from the players. And because of this, 
the players were able to receptive uh, and give the best. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, like I said, there were only a couple of senior players in the team back then. Uh, myself, Heidi, and if I'm not mistaken, there were Tachuan, if I'm mistaken. Mm-hmm. The rest were more more like uh, youngsters. Oh, Haswing was there also. Okay. The rest were uh, young, young players in the team. But he was able to gel them together. And because of that, we were able to be more successful as a unit for a couple of years. Uh, in terms of tactics, you know, Coach Radi is someone who likes the defense to be really organized. Um, did that make it tougher for you guys? Because as a defender, you know, you have to be on the ball all the time. You know, how was that like as a player? I always believe to be to have a successful team, the back line has to be solid. You must have a solid back line. Back uh, like you always used to say, strikers win games for you, but the back line is the one who will win the league for you. Mm-hmm. So likewise, uh, Radi felt that the backbone have to be strong. So I guess he, his first first uh, main main objective was to form a good back line. That's where he brought in uh, uh, Danny Banner. Then together with Bayaki, four of us formed the back line back then. Myself, Bayaki, ID, as well as uh, Danny Banner. And of course, we had a wonderful keeper. Was top notch keeper at the back, uh, Lionel. Yes. So, what more can you ask for? It's a safe pair of hands at the back, and we him around. Uh, we felt very comfortable at the back. Nice. Uh, in 2004, you know, there were lots of rumors that uh, you were on the verge of retiring from the national team. Uh, is it true that Coach Radi was the one who, you know, convinced you that you shouldn't retire? And, and what, did, what is it that he said? Actually, there's two persons. Uh, one was him, and the other one was Fandi. Uh, Okay. One day was the assistant coach then. So I felt one day that uh, it's about time for me to retire. I don't know, it came to my mind. I all of a sudden I felt that I do I'm not I'm not enjoying what I used to enjoy mm-hmm. back then. So I told myself I don't want to continue this anymore. So I went first I told Fundy. I shared this with him, I told him I said, uh, look, I decided that I want to stop playing for the national team, I want to concentrate on my club level. He was surprised, he was surprised. Then he started talking to me, he said, no, I, we, he feel that I still can contribute to the team. But, but then I told him, I said, uh, I made up my mind, I want to do this. So he brought me to Radhi, first Radhi, <laughs> and both of them actually sat me down, and they spoke to me, and they, they, they advised me, and they said, no, don't, don't make this decision now, continue with it. They believe in me actually. They, they they give me the confidence. They believe that uh, I should continue. They said I have so much to offer to the team, especially now with all the youngsters in the team. You can be the guidance. So I told myself, I said, maybe 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 it's not time for me to move away from the national team. I continue, and because of that, I was also able to win the 2005 Tiger Cup as well as 2007 Tiger Cup, and not only that. Because of their advice, I was also able to complete under caps for the national team. Yes. Uh, why was it at the time that you know you felt like you weren't having joy playing for the national team? What what tempted you to make the decision? You were twenty eight at the time. Two thousand four. I was already thirty two. Oh, I always, when I was playing football, uh, when I told myself, I must be in control. 
I must decide when to be in the game, when to move out from the game. And fortunately for me, fortunately for me, I was able to do this even with the national team as well as the club level. Mm-hmm. I made my own decision when to move out from the game. And back then, I I had this feeling because I'm not enjoying the whole whole atmosphere, the whole team. I wanted a change, but I couldn't get anything in return. So I told myself, uh, no, maybe it's best for me to move away from this and concentrate on the club level. That's the reason why I wanted to stop. And in fact, I wanted to stop after the 2002 Tiger Cup. You know, the the game against Malaysia where we lost 4-0. Four, mm. four mm-hmm. It was very painful. I, In fact, the next day itself, I had this verge of quitting the national team. What because kept you going at, at that time? Like I told you, I said, but I do want to leave at the lowest point. Mm. Because that is not what I want to be remembered. Yeah, I can do something. Why after so many struggles I went through in life and eventually I get an opportunity to represent my country and play at the highest level, why should I walk away when the things are at the low? No, so I continue playing and that's exactly the same thing happened in 2004 and the rest was history. Yeah, you must be so grateful to Coach Fandi and Coach Rade because like you said, you know, you went out to get 100 caps for the national team, had uh, more trophies at that point of time. Uh, looking back now, you know, how grateful are you for, for people like Coach Radi, you know, who... Uh, because in Singapore, you know, we like to say we want something local, local this, local that. But we forget that at the end of the day, our more successful era came because of a foreign coach. Mm. Uh, do you believe that, you know, Coach Radi really changed your life, would say? Definitely, definitely. Uh, he, he gave me a, a second belief. A second belief. Uh, he brought back the confidence in me, which I thought I was slowly losing it. Like then he brought a change. You will see the whole dynamic of the team change because he brought in a new fresh blood into the team, younger boys who were able to contribute. And because of the way he brought the team together and with his guidance and his knowledge with our Asian football was immense. Uh, so you can see during his period, we were able to play against Asian team mm-hmm. without any fear. That's something which he brought to the team. Uh, I thought was wonderful and because of that we were able to see some results and I must say this also even uh, not only Coach Kadi I must also thank two other coaches uh, who was part of my football journey that is uh, Coach Robert this gentleman actually is the coach who actually believed in me that uh, I can be a good footballer I can contribute to the team because he was the person who actually gave me the captaincy at Home United because when I went to home in 1999, uh, Zot was there. What a player, what a player, what a captain for our team. He left the team in 2000. Uh, after the 99 campaign, he left. And all of a sudden, you we know, we were without a captain. And Robert, Robert actually thought that I can be the next captain. I don't know what he saw in me. <laughs> to be honest, I was surprised, surprised. But he gave me the captaincy. He was the coach who gave me the captaincy. And I was the club captain under the, until the day when I retired in 2009. This gentleman, why I have to give credit to him because he was so meticulous in terms of preparation. I learned so much from him as a coach because he prepared a team very, very uh, well to the minute details, to the extent to our strength 
and how the opponent play, he will assemble the team to play against the opponents. He was very, very meticulous in that sense. So he's one of them. And another person, another coach, of course, I have to thank is Steve Darby. To me, he's a coach, not only a great coach, a great human being. Uh, I would say someone who's very, very honest. He top quality was man management. He knew exactly how to get the best out of the players. Back then, he came into Home United in 2003. And, and he changed the whole atmosphere in our dressing room. We have, of course, we had uh, experienced players in the team. He didn't come in and change everything. Even. He was very, very clever in that sense. He knew there's experienced players in the team. He managed us very well. And he made our sessions simple, but very, very effective. And he worked on our strength and he managed to bring the team together. And most importantly, he kept the team together because of his honesty. Mm -hmm. And he met his man management skill was top notch. I must give credit to these two coaches in my life. Nice. Uh, you of course won two athletic titles with uh, Home United as well as a few Singapore Cups as well. Um, that team was, would you say it's fair to say that uh, it's successful was also because uh, there were a lot of national team players uh, who were part of their back line, who were playing with you at Home United as well. Uh, they helped, you know, week in, week out, like even with national teams, this whole chemistry was building more and more. Definitely, definitely. Uh, we have quality players in the team, uh, from local as well as our foreign players, top-notch players. Um, for example, at the bed, like I say, I mentioned Tassi, we had Heidi, we have Keeper in terms of uh, Yazid Azim, and in midfield, we have uh, Bozi, we have Zod, Kusta, uh, these are the names you can can play anywhere. I'm sure you can play anything, any day. And of course, in terms of strikers, we have Agma, um, then Indra was there. What can you ask for? What more can you ask for uh, a team? with such a player. And of course, with players around, such a players around, and with top-notch coach, we were able to win trophies because of that. They, they know how to assemble us together mm -hmm. and prepare the team so well to the extent that we were able to, like for example, like Steve, in 2003, we won doubles. We won the league as well as the cup. It was an amazing feeling. Uh, I can see you know clearly from uh, from talking to you that you really enjoy your time at, at Home United. Uh, in two thousand four, the Tiger Cup uh, semi final against Myanmar. <laughs> uh, uh, if 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 you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Kabi, there's a video on YouTube. Yes. Yeah, there's a video on YouTube of um, the game against Myanmar, where a missile was thrown that hit uh, Mr. Money here in the head, and he went down. Okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, for I'll be very honest, I, I've not seen seen it before for for myself. Um, you know <laughs> we have you here uh, that's embarrassing bro <laughs> <laughs> I, I am being honest I've, I've not seen it but I've heard about it you know uh, what happened you know when when that bottle hit you it was a bottle correct you can yes, clear that of course uh, how do you feel what happened <laughs> I actually will blame Indra for this <laughs> because we would not have even gone into extra time if not for his penalty miss okay uh, we Back then, it was two leg semi-finals. First leg, we won 4-3, if I'm not mistaken, or 3-2. Then, in the second leg, all of a sudden, within a half, we were down 2 nil, and we were almost out of the, mm. the competition. And then, uh, we managed to get a goal in the second half. 
and towards the end of the full 90 minutes, I think over 80, 80 plus minutes, we got a penalty. And all Indra has to do is to score <laughs> and we are into the final. Mm -hmm. And all the person, we didn't expect Indra to miss, he missed the penalty and we went into the extra time. And this incident happened during our second half of injury uh, extra time. There was a scuffle between Tachuan and one of the Myanmar players. I was nearby, so I went to stop, try to stop the, the melee. And while I was doing this, I was struck by something. So initially, my thought was someone punched me. Okay, then when I was on the ground, when the physio came to attend me, they asked the physio what actually happened. And she told me that someone threw a water bottle. Thankfully, thankfully, the water bottle actually hit my ear, not my head. So mm. there was a small cut on my ear. I was able to continue the game. Just imagine if it were to hit my head. I don't know what would have happened after that. But you know, uh, was it a, a case of how intense the rivalries were between the Southeast Asian nations uh, at that point of time? Definitely, definitely. Before the game, uh, there was some uh, the some negative comments passed on by different teams, and even the Myanmar fans were there. There were some issues, incidents over there in the mm -hmm. stadium itself. Uh, because of the rising, and not only because of that, it was tension. You know, the, the, the pressure during the game, it was a semi-final and both teams are competing to be to have a place in the final. Mm. And because of the pressure, I, I, I assume, the reserve keeper was on the bench mm. then. He is the one who actually threw the water bottle at me. Mm. And what happened after the competition, he was banned nine months. Mm. Nine months. That is what I heard. And that was the rivalry between ourselves and the neighboring countries. Yeah, and I think that game, I think everyone everyone at the stadium felt the tension. The players, the fans, I think everyone was fighting. Even, I think the players were fighting, the fans were fighting, everyone. Like, even after the game, people were fighting outside. <laughs> it was a crazy, was, crazy was, night. Was a crazy game. <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to play that game because uh, prior to that game on the eve, there was a torrential rain. And you know mm. back then, our national stadium, it was yeah. uh, all grass, mm -hmm. natural grass. And it was not playable, in fact, so muddy muddy but the referee felt that we still can play they continue the game and during the game there were all, all three red cards for the Myanmar players and they were, in fact towards the end they finished only with eight players in the team and with all these <laughs> these uh, incredible uh, incidents happened during the, the game and we become more and more uh, talk about after the whole game <laughs> uh, Mani of course you retired from football in 2009 um, in your last few years in the in the in the league, uh, were you starting to see you know uh, visible signs of the league declining? I mean, I think for me, uh, assumption would be when you look to the stands, you can see each year the the, the fans get lesser and lesser. Uh, are you able to point a finger at anything to say like this is the reason why it became this way? I won't be able to point any finger, even. Um, but then I would say our league started off very very strong. Uh, we uh, we were, we had a very very we were able to attract quality players back then. And you can see back then when the league started, the S-League started in 96, fans were flogging in into the stadium. Uh, some of them can't even get into the stadium. Even during training sessions, mm. there were fans supporting us. And that was how the whole atmosphere back then was. This thing went on for, for a good, say, five years. Then once the mil we reached the millennium year, uh, things started to 
deep. I don't know for what reason is. Mm. Perhaps maybe uh, we were not able to attract quality foreign players. And but there was quality in the team. There are. There were, there were quality. But we were missing some elements at there. Because mm. initially we, we used to attract quality top quality professionals foreign players some of them even play at the highest level for their countries but once we reached uh, millennium in 2000 I think we, we, we went we came to a, a state where we are not able to attract mm. maybe it could be because of the fun we had at the same time maybe our league were also not as attractive as compared to what it was mm-hmm. back then so I, it could be because of these reasons I don't know only God knows but it started to fall And when now you look back, it actually came to a level where now it's the only thing is up. Yeah. No more down. <laughs> And you can't see any any bad or can go any lower than this. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that, that's true. But uh, if the league was still thriving, do you think you would have played on a few more years? Do you think that played a part? No, even no. Uh, like I told you, I always made the decision when to move off on the game. And in fact, I already made up my mind 2009 was in my final season in football. I already informed the club prior to the season because uh, I was running, my contract was running until 2009. I told them this will be my last contract. Mm-hmm. After this, I want to stop mm-hmm. playing professional football. So, uh, I wouldn't have continued. But I would have loved to see the spirit back again. You know, the same <coughs> how the league started. The same kind of support. The same kind of... Uh, Uh, fan base I would love to see that back yeah. so as uh, as a player at the time did you notice the the fans not coming like suddenly when you walk out into the pitch and they, where are the fans did, yeah. did you notice that to, to a point yes yes you can see the number of uh, fans turning up for the match mm. depleting slowly and of course you can see that during uh, training sessions like I told you mm. those days even during training sessions you can see a few hundreds fans would be just watching us train. But then once we reach like 2000, we are not able to see this. And slowly, even stadiums were not packed anymore, which used to be packed. Yeah. You know, those those days, uh, early 90s, I mean, uh, early days of the S-League, fans will be queuing up. Those who can't get into the stadium, you know, our car parks are very close to our stadium. Yes. So what they used to do, they climb over the vehicle just to get a glimpse of the game. That's how it used to be. And some would be just standing outside, then they would go to just to view the mm. games. That's how it used to be back then. But slowly it started to... It, it's so it, it was progressive or was it like suddenly turn of the new, turn of the millennium? Progressively, yes. So did, did you did you talk to your other teammates about this? Like, hey, where are the fans? We 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 are we 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 spoke about this thing, and we also were surprised mm. because back then we were more focused on playing. Mm-hmm. We were not into what mm-hmm. the other other things about. But when we look back, we realized that hey, something is actually missing, and because of that, there were no fans anymore in the stadiums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, The topic that I started this uh, podcast with was, yeah. of course, the Indian footballers. Um, when I look at the league now, uh, at the top of my head, I can think of Madhu, uh, Anu, uh, Surya Prakash, who are, who are still playing in the league. Uh, in, in 2015, we had uh, a key member of, of the squad, which was Pravin, who was playing really well. Uh, but these are very few names I can think of. Uh, Mani, in your opinion, why is it that we have so few Indian footballers now? And even, I'm not just talking about in the league, but when we look at the youth teams, 
you can hardly name anyone. Why? Why is that so? Mm, it could be because they have other interests. Uh, because I personally now I'm working in IT. I come across talented Indian boys. I personally approach them in school, ask them to come join us in football trainings and coaching. But they are very reluctant to join. I ask them why they are not prepared to attend training sessions. Mm -hmm. They want to play football leisurely. They don't want to be the how to say it, in in a team setup where they have to have to have proper training sessions and so on and so forth. Because they have other other uh, distractions. For example, some are into dancing. You know, mm -hmm. nowadays uh, Indian footballers, I mean Indian mm -hmm. youngsters, they are prefer to go into dancing mm -hmm. and some other stuff. So I think because of that, football taking a backseat. How how can we change that? We have to do something about this. I always believe there are talented Indian boys in Singapore. I always always get annoyed when people tell me there's no talent in Singapore. I personally have come across a lot of talented boys, but my only only uh, I realize the only problem here in Singapore there's no proper structure for them to develop. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, for that for that. We need to change our ecosystem, football ecosystem. First of all, we need to concentrate on our youth development, which has been lacking all these years. And because of that, we are facing the ground now. And that's why we keep saying that there are limited talents in Singapore. If you're not given an opportunity for talented play boys to come up, how can you find talents in Singapore? Yeah. No, you must provide them the avenue, create a structure, for them to progress progressively. And obviously, with that support, the right kind of support, you'll be able to get so many talented boys in Singapore. Do you think money, even money plays a part in this for for them to be? Of course, of course. If you want to do anything, financial support is very, very important. And not only financial support, we, there, are, there must be other kind of support as well. Mm. Uh, different stakeholders have to come together. For example, schools, uh, Singapore sports, uh, football association in Singapore and of course those with funds they must come together they must really come up with a structure a proper structure from you all the way to the national team and you must give this to the younger generation they must know hey there's a proper structure here if you do this well you'll be able to progressively progress and you'll be able to showcase your talent to the national team so one day one day to reach your dream to be a national player. So what is your opinion then of this new... There are a lot of new academies popping up nowadays in Singapore. How long do you think this will take? This this thing will take effect into for us to see the products of these academies? Ah, uh, It depends. It depends. Like what you just said, there are too many academies in mm. Singapore. One of their main, main objective is, of course, to sustain. Yeah. I mean, let's be very honest about the this revenue. Thing. Uh, why, why uh, so many academies are in Singapore? It's because of revenue mm. uh, to attract more people to join academies. Yeah. And their main objective is, of course, to make money. Mm. And of course, there are some academies. They are, they are the main objective is to develop players, which we have to give credit to. Yeah. Uh, but not necessarily players have to be in academic level. I mean, in academies, in order for you to progress into a national level. Mm. I don't believe in that. You can even be playing in a school level. If there's a proper structure for them, they should be able to develop into a good talent. Mm -hmm. 
you you spoke about the the current Indian boys and you know how how some of them are more inclined towards dancing and not. Uh, I'm sure you have. I'm not saying it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. Of course, this is just a perspective. But yes, uh, I'm sure you have uh, family. Uh, you have friends who are, who are probably parents right now. Uh, do you see them be encouraging towards their children to pursue football or sports in general? Do you think like that is a, a possible problem in the community? We should. Any parent should encourage their kids to play sports. Any sports, As a matter of fact, any sports, because sports teaches you important life skills, values, values, not only for a footballer as a person. Because not everybody will eventually be able to be a national footballer, but then they are, can be a very very good human being. So sports create this. You can create. Uh, you can create values such as teamwork, perseverance, which is very very important in today's context mm. because there are so many many uh, uh, you know adversity in life. How people able to persevere from this? All these life skills and values can be taught through sports. Mm-hmm. I think sports is very, very important for any people. Mm-hmm. So, as a parents, they should encourage their kids to play sports. Okay. Uh, one last question before we go on to the fan questions that we have is: You've had various things as an assistant coach. Uh, you you talked about the Sea Games experience. Are you now ready for head coach role? Is that something that you possibly want to do? Uh, to be honest, I never dreamt of becoming a coach. In fact, when I started coaching after my retirement in 2009, I guess it was a natural transition from a player went into a coaching. But of course, I have prepared myself prior to that. I attended coaching courses and I got myself AFC A certificate. But then once I stopped playing, then the club felt that I, with my experience and with my credential as a certificate, uh, I can contribute to the team. Mm-hmm. So they offered me a coaching role. That's how my coaching journey started. But then, after a few years into it, I was not really enjoying coaching. Okay. My childhood dream, my ambition was always to be a teacher, a PE teacher. Because like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I was fortunate to come across good PE teachers who actually inspired me during school days. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be a PE teacher back then. Mm. So when the time came in 2011, 2011, uh, I had this opportunity to move into teaching. I told myself, why not? Because I was not really enjoying coaching. Because being a player and a coach is totally a different uh, ball game, I would say. So when this opportunity came to go into teaching, I went. And right now, I'm still doing uh, teaching for almost ten years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it about ID's call that you know convinced you to? Was it ID who who got you involved in the Sea Games team? In fact, it was uh, Robin. Robin, okay. Robin. I started with the Young Lions back then in 2012. Okay. 12. Then after Robin, ID took over, and ID want, wanted me part of the team, and I continue staying with. Uh, with Young Lions until 2015. Okay. Uh, right now, we have the fan questions. Uh, we, we asked on Instagram and Facebook uh, for fans to submit their questions with the hashtag AskMoney. Uh, we have five questions that we picked out. Uh, yeah. Kabir, what are they? Okay, from Facebook, from Brian Peng. What is your greatest memory at the old National Stadium? Wow. Ah, uh, 60,000 capacity. Uh, you know, 
how the atmosphere will be. Just imagine they will be doing the column wave, mm. 60,000 capacity. Amazing, amazing. And then you know there was a point where you were stamped your feet on the ground. Yeah. Or you can see the whole stadium vibrate. <laughs> you got to feel this. When I got goosebumps. Yeah, <laughs> While I'm talking, I can, I, I can feel the thing, you know. It's been years. Uh, amazing <laughs> feeling, amazing feeling, yeah. All right, second question from I am Mets Mo. In your opinion, who is the best defender in the local game at the moment? Wow. Okay. Uh, to me, I, I find that Amirul Hadley is mm. playing for Tampines. I managed to coach at one level when he was with the Young Lions. I think he was part of the team. Mm -hmm. I think this boy has a potential mm. to go on to be a very, very good defender. I'm sure he is because he's in the right hand now with a good team. I'm sure he'll be able to develop even better as a defender. Nice. All right. Third question from Faris Kasim. Being almost a one-club man, which is a rarity in local football, what made you stay at home United for so long? The club itself. We have amazing, amazing uh, team in the, mm. the club. The setup itself. First of all, the chairman. He came up with a plan, a project. And in this project, he brought in the right people together. And they, they had a, what do you call it? A goal to be one of the top teams in Singapore, to create a top team in Singapore. And they had the support, the belief. Of course, like I said, back from the chairman all the way to the backroom staff, they managed to assemble good quality individuals. Not only that, they also brought in quality players. And with that in mind, they're able to work on it. And eventually, Home United became one of the top teams in Singapore, mm -hmm. I would say, yes. But did, were, you, were you approached by other clubs to join them? Definitely, yes. Uh, I have <laughs> many, many, uh, to be very honest with you, I even get a better offer from various clubs during mm -hmm. that time. But for me, money was not everything back mm -hmm. then. I was earning a decent living and the club had everything. Mm -hmm. What more you want? Because very stable, you know, as a player, that is more important for you. You just have to do your job on the pitch mm. and everything will be taken care of. What more you ask for? So I didn't want to go to another club because of a big salary package. No, I didn't want to. I continue staying with Home United and I believe this club can reach the height where they're supposed to be. Mm. Do you receive any offers from overseas? Uh, no, no, no. At that time, it was very, very difficult to very rare. to, mm -hmm. to move. Very rare. Uh, that's one of my regrets. Mm. Nowadays, there's a lot of opportunity for players to yeah. move. Back then, it's very, very rare. Mm. Uh, perhaps that's one of the things which been missed in my playing career. I would, I don't know. I couldn't imagine what would have been if I were given an opportunity to play abroad. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay, fourth question from Superkid. What is your opinion on having or not having foreign teams in the league? I personally believe there must be more local teams. There mm. only are only local teams. Because only local teams can give locals more opportunity to play. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Simple but very true. <laughs> Fifth question, my favorite, from at Blade of God. <laughs> ah. Ask him why he broke a bottle on my head. <laughs> ah, so <I> see, yeah, <laughs> okay. 
Uh, this thing happened in uh, 1997 <laughs> during SEA Games. Okay. Sasi was my roommate and been roommates, you know, we used to have fun. And during one of the, the instant, uh, we were playing, we were joking. And then he was disturbing me. I got agitated. And at that time, I was holding on to two bottles. You know, we have two bottles in the room. So I was just actually knocking, knocking them close to him, mm. hoping that the bottle won't break. But to my surprise, the bottle actually broke <laughs> and the bricks actually dropped and hit, I think it's head or somewhere. Uh, he drama king, <laughs> he started saying, oh, he hurt his eyes and he ran into his eyes and I started to panic. <laughs> Because that evening, we have a game. We have a game. And you just imagine the whole drama lasted and uh, we have to run here and there to get something. And later on, I found it was just a spawn. Sassy, Sassy, I tell you. You seem uh, to have a lot of run-ins with bottles, eh? Uh, 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 you can say that, you can say. But Sassy, uh, I, I must say this, he's one of my buddy in the national team, mm -hmm. not only in the national mm -hmm. team, uh, in club, and even now, uh, one of the players who I'm in regular contact is of course Sassy. Okay. He's my close friend. Uh, are there others? Are there others that are still in contact? Yeah, yeah, of course. There are players I'm, I'm still in touch with. But uh, if I were to name one player who I'm very close now, is of course I see. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, good to see that players still have their relationship off the field once yeah. they retire. Yep. Uh, let's go to our rapid fire round. Five questions that we will require immediate answer to. Uh, I'll start off with the first question, which is, who is the toughest forward that you've faced in your career? Toughest forward? Many, many strikers. Uh, If I were to name one, probably it would be Japanese striker. Japanese striker, I think Nakamura. But was this in, in the club career or? No, it's against the national team. Against the national team, okay. Uh, why was he so tough for you? He's good, he's good. He's quick, skillful. Uh, he has everything and he can score goals. Okay. Uh, I think he was one of the toughest players. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have many other toughest mm. opponents. But I, if you ask me now, this the name I come to the bench. Okay. Second question is, uh, who is the toughest team that you've played against, be it at club level or national team level? National team level, I would say Japan. Japan. You know Japan in Japan, mm -hmm. national team, quality players. And I have the opportunity to play face them in, in their own ground in Sayatama, Sayatama Stadium mm -hmm. in 2005 mm. I think 2005 I'm mistaken for World Cup qualifiers uh, amazing amazing atmosphere and definitely toughest toughest opponent mm -hmm. toughest team locally locally if, if you ask me we always have this rivalry between SAFFC Warriors Armed Forces mm. USA different names uh, they were tough We have quality players in the team, yes. Okay. okay. Third question, if you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Like I mentioned earlier, mm. the job which I'm doing now, mm. I would have been a PE teacher. Alright. Okay. Um, fourth question, recommend a guest for the final whistle. A guest? Uh, Bob. You should bring this gentleman, Robert Lim. Okay. He's he's found a lot of uh, players who went on to play for the national team. Yes, I think because different perspective, uh, not on the player's point of view, 
as a coach, as a scout, and this man I've seen a lot in Singapore football. Mm. I think you should invite him and he's here for me. Okay. Yep. Someone you will work on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last question is of course, uh, what is your wish for Singapore football? Definitely want to see the football fever back again. And hopefully change. There's a change. Because I believe we can do something in Singapore. But of course there need to be some change. And this change have to come and people have to come together to work closely. For example, uh I also saw one of the questions about young lions. Mm. Right? Yeah. There's a question whether we should have young lions. Personally, if you were to ask me, uh, this on our Instagram, by the way, if you're listening to this. I'll be very honest about this thing because I having worked with young lions. When the project started in the initial stage, mm. of course, it was success. There was some success. You can see a lot of players from that young lions team went on to play for the national team, the A-team. But over the years, things changed. Because back then, you were able to attract the top players at that age categories. But after some time, there were problems attracting these players. But then, we still have to put a team. But these players, pardon me for saying this, uh, without any disrespect to the players, they were not the top players at that age category. Mm -hmm because some of them reluctant to move from the club. They want to be still with the club. So what the selectors have to do is they have to fill up the numbers. Mm. So they have to bring players who are not ready to play professional level. You know, because of that, you can see the results. Mm. And if you want to produce winners and winning mentality with the players, if you're having such a team and you're playing against professionals, what kind of results you'll be getting day in, day out, week in, week out, you'll be losing games. And eventually, the players will come to a point where they will say, ah, winning is part and, I mean, losing is part and puzzle of football. Mm. No, they shouldn't. They should, they must feel the pain of losing. But I realized when I was coaching young lines, to a certain extent, some players couldn't be bothered. You know, they don't feel the pain because they know for sure we are playing against professionals, we are playing against men. With the team we have, we can't do much. Mm -hmm. And we only will lose. So you keep losing and you are not creating the winners in the team. And when they progress to play for the national team, how can we take a step notch, uh, a notch up? Mm. It's impossible. That's one of the things which have missing in Singapore football. We have talents. We are players who can compete, at, we can compete at any level. But the only thing we stand out now is mentality. You know, when we play at the highest level, because of this mentality, we are not able to take a step forward and we are not able to progress. So this has to be changed. And for in order for this thing to change, like I said earlier, we must have a proper structure. We must bring them through the journey and we give them a proper education. When they reach at the highest level, with the education with them, with the football education, they should be able to perform at the highest level and bring our our country to the next level, which is what we want to do. Yes. We are always looking at Southeast Asian level. Mm. No, for us, we, we must start looking at Asian level. Yes. Now, I guess the project is 2034, yeah, yeah. the World Cup. Yeah. I'll be very, very honest with you, with the current state of 
football is going to be very very tough we all know let's not kid about this thing yeah. but having such a project also good because with this there were some other openings which we used to see this in 2010 okay hopefully when this support come on board let's use this as a catalyst to do something to our football i'm sure we can bring that spirit back again but it need the support of everybody okay. believe believe let's believe together we can change this thing before we go into that level let's concentrate on the uh, asian level first can we compete at the asian level if you are able to compete regularly at the asian level and we are able to be one of the top four teams then we can talk about world cup and the rest mm-hmm. but for now let's concentrate on asian level okay. i guess the keyword that you you mentioned is now compete in the asian level regularly it's not like not just a one off being in the asian cup there's just one 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 time and then we don't see our mm-hmm. our team in the team uh, in the cup anymore yeah Uh, like I did last week it was a fantastic answer to our final question which is the wish yeah. for Singapore football it's so clear to see that your passion for Singapore football still burns brightly as ever uh, thank you so much for coming on the show uh, fantastic insights and answers lots of good stories that you share with us uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show thank you so much thank you thank you, thank you so, so much. much and that's it for this week's episode of The Final Whistle we apologize for the technical difficulties in the audio this week we'll see you again next week <laughs>